Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of Loud in Tech. Today we have a thrilling lineup of topics, including Emacs Lisp shorthands, the acquisition of paper space by DigitalOcean, and the case against self-closing tags in HTML. We'll also discuss the recent heat records, the controversy surrounding social networks, and the release of Godot 4.1. So sit back, relax, and get ready to dive into the world of technology and culture. Let's get loud in tech. Before we dive back into more tech goodness, let's give a shout out to our fantastic sponsors and my personal favorite software in the entire universe, Mason. Picture this, a world where a solo founder can take on an e-commerce giant. Sounds like a superhero movie, right? Well, meet Mason. This AI shopping co-pilot is here to save the day. Mason swoops in to guide shoppers as they shop, making sure they find exactly what they're looking for. Did I mention it's like having a secret weapon against the Amazon tax? Oh yeah! Mason will help you break free and skyrocket your sales. Head over to GetMason to join the revolution. That's GetMason.io. And this segment is about tech news. It's time to say goodbye to those pesky naming and versioning issues thanks to a new programming language called Unison. Unlike other languages, Unison uses a unique hash for each piece of code, eliminating the need for namespaces altogether. Finally, programmers can stop pulling their hair out over global namespace conflicts. Whilst it may take time for code-level dependencies to be implemented, we can rest assured in the promise of Unison's exciting new world. Ever wanted to translate a .pot file in Joplin? Well, now you can with the help of PoEdit. Just follow these simple instructions. First, change the country and language settings to your own preferences. Then, get down to translating the file. Once you're done, don't keep it to yourself. Open a pull request to add the translation. And guess what? This translation will apply to the desktop, mobile, and terminal versions of Joplin. How cool is that? Plus, there's even a list of current translations and their completion percentages. So what are you waiting for? Let your linguistic creativity shine in Joplin. Cloud provider DigitalOcean recently made a big move by acquiring cloud infrastructure provider Paperspace for a whopping $111 million in cash. Now, you might be wondering what they plan to do with Paperspace. Well, let me tell you. This acquisition will allow DigitalOcean to supercharge its artificial intelligence and machine learning offerings. So what does that mean for customers? It means they'll be able to test, develop, and deploy AI applications like never before. Paperspace's powerful GPU-infused infrastructure and AI-focused software will be like a secret weapon in DigitalOcean's arsenal. This move not only expands DigitalOcean's serviceable market, but also opens up exciting cross-sell and upsell opportunities. Oh, and don't worry, this acquisition won't have any major impact on DigitalOcean's 2023 financial results. So, get ready to witness some mind-blowing AI innovation courtesy of DigitalOcean and Paperspace. Imagine a technology that turns HTML into a superhero. Introducing TwinSpark, the amazing technology that enhances HTML with declarative attributes, making your code simpler and more manageable. It's like giving your website superpowers. TwinSpark is battle-tested, used by websites with high daily active users. And the best part? It's simple, composable, and lean. With only a few core attributes, 
It's like a lean, mean coding machine. Did we mention it doesn't depend on server-side technology? Yep, TwinSpark is independent and proud. It's a code wizard that allows for page updates without any JavaScript. That's right, HTML gets all the love. And if that's not enough, TwinSpark offers a strategy for updating HTML gradually. It's a game changer. But wait, there's more. TwinSpark also includes a promise-enabled language for client-side scripting, so you can create magic with ease. It's smaller in size, has no attribute inheritance, supports batching, and even offers extensibility. Leading Ukrainian online fashion marketplace Costa WWA and Semantic Solutions for Research, Review, and Recruitment Profi are already aboard the TwinSpark train. Created by the tech genius Alexander Solovyov, you can find TwinSpark on GitHub under the MIT license. So what are you waiting for? Embrace the power of TwinSpark and level up your HTML game today. PlanetScale, the dream team behind your databases, is back with exciting news. Brace yourselves, folks, because they are announcing their new plan called Scalar Pro. This game changer combines the awesomeness of their current plans and enterprise offerings. So what's so special about Scalar Pro? Well, let me tell you. It allows customers to select the necessary resources for their workloads, giving them more control and clarity in pricing. No more mysterious charges from the technology underworld. Scalar Pro databases are priced based on CPU, memory, and disk storage. And if that's not enough, they also offer resiliency and availability features. Picture this. Your precious data replicated not once, not twice, but thrice across three availability zones. And they even use MySQL Semi-Sync to make sure your data stays safe and sound. Oh, did I mention that you get two readable standby databases like Amazon RDS Multi-AZ, but at a lower price? Score! In a nutshell, PlanetScale Scalar Pro is the cost-effective and feature-rich database-as-a-service solution you've been dreaming of. So jump on this database bandwagon and let PlanetScale work its magic for you. Hey there, tech enthusiasts. Have you heard the latest news? InternLM has just released their amazing open-source project on GitHub. And let me tell you, it's mind-blowing. They've developed a 7 billion parameter base model called InternLM Chat 7B, specifically designed for practical scenarios. You can actually interact with the model using a front-end interface by running the provided code. How cool is that? Oh, and if you want to deploy it with just one click, they have a tool called LM Deploy that makes it super easy. They even provide tutorials on pre-training and fine-tuning the model, so you can use it in your own projects. But wait, there's more. You can convert the trained model to Hugging Face Transformers format for seamless integration with other open-source projects. And here's the best part. Their training system supports efficient training on multiple GPUs with scalability up to 1024 GPUs. Can you imagine the power? This project is truly a collaboration of Shanghai AI Laboratory, researchers from different universities and companies, and it's completely open source. They welcome contributions from the community too. Just keep in mind, if you want to use it for commercial purposes, you'll need to get written permission from the official team. So what are you waiting for? Go check out InternLM's GitHub page and get ready to be blown away. Godot 4.1, the savior of game developers, has descended upon us. This shiny new update brings smoother gameplay, more reliability, and a bunch of cool new features. And boy does it fix stuff. Over 900 issues have been squashed like bugs in the virtual world. So, it's time to say goodbye to those pesky glitches and hello to stability and performance. 
But that's not all, folks. Godot 4.1 introduces experimental multi-threading for scenes. That means your game will be running fast and furious. And guess what? It also comes with a pipeline cache for the Vulkan renderer, giving you a boost in graphics power. Plus, adding and removing child nodes has never been easier, thanks to the improved performance. But wait, there's more. Bug fixes, updates to GDScript and C-hash scripting languages, enhancements to the editor, better rendering, and smarter AI navigation. It's like the whole Godot team was on fire while making this update. And hold on to your seats because Godot 4.2 is already in the works. Brace yourselves for even more awesomeness in the future. So, fellow game dev enthusiasts, update your engines, hop into Godot 4.1, and let the fun begin. Hey there, gamers and future game developers. Do I have some exciting news for you? Get ready to level up your coding skills with Raylieb, a super cool library for programming video games. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, Raylib has got you covered. It's available for multiple platforms and written in good old C code, making it simple and easy to use. And guess what? It comes with some awesome features like hardware acceleration with OpenGL, support for a variety of fonts and textures, 3D support, shaders, audio loading and playing, and even VR stereo rendering. Oh, and did I mention that it's also open source? That's right, you can dive right into the code and see how things work behind the scenes. Plus, there are plenty of examples and bindings for different programming languages to help you get started. So, if you're ready to unleash your game-making skills, head over to the Raylib website at www.raylib.com and get ready for some epic adventures. And in this next segment, we cover environment and science. Ah! HTML, the language of the web. But did you know that there's a case against self-closing tags in HTML? Well, let me break it down for you. Our hero, Jake Archibald, took it upon himself to explain this case in his blog post. He starts by diving into the history of XHTML and HTML syntax, and how we made the glorious shift towards HTML5. Now here's the deal with self-closing tags, like those sneaky little ones with the typed at the end. They can be confusing especially for newcomers. Archibald points out that in most cases, self-closing tags in HTML documents are pretty much meaningless, except when you're dealing with foreign content like SVG or MathML. But hold on, there are counter-arguments to consider too. Some folks claim that self-closing tags make code easier to read and are consistent with JSX. Archibald, being the hero he is, suggests that tools like Prettier should drop the use of self-closing tags or at least fix the cases where they are actively misleading. So now you know, the case against self-closing tags in HTML. Stay tuned for more thrilling tales from the world of tech. Oh boy, folks. Hold on to your hydration bottles because this news is going to make you thirsty for a solution. Brace yourself because a recent study has revealed that nearly half of the tap water in the U.S. is contaminated with what scientists call forever chemicals. Yeah, you heard me right. Forever chemicals. Like they're going to stick around longer than that last piece of gum you swallowed in sixth grade. These forever chemicals, scientifically known as PFAS, are present in a whopping 45% of water systems across the nation. This is not just some glitch in the matrix, folks. It's a big deal. Dr. Graham Peasley, a professor at the University of Notre Dame, is raising the alarm bells and warning that tackling this issue is not going to be a walk in the park. No, no, it's going to be the most expensive environmental problem we've ever faced. That's right, folks. 
it's going to hurt our pockets. But fear not, because Dr. Peasley also stresses the need for innovative solutions to filter out these chemicals and safeguard our precious public health. So, let's keep our fingers crossed for some ingenious minds to come up with a game-changing remedy to protect us from these sneaky, forever chemicals that have been hiding in our water all this time. Stay thirsty for answers, my friends. So, folks, it looks like we are getting closer and closer to roasting in this summer heat wave. Temperatures are skyrocketing around the globe, with some places hitting 100 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hotter than a lava-filled volcano wearing a fur coat. And to top it off, Tuesday gave us an unofficial record for the hottest day on Earth. But hold on to your ice cream cones because Wednesday might just break that record. Now, I know what you're thinking. How can it get any hotter? Well, my friends, it seems Mother Nature has a wicked sense of humor. Not only are we hotter than an astronaut's microwave dinner, but we're also beating temperature averages from the past two centuries. We've got records being shattered left and right, from Quebec to Peru. Even Beijing is facing nine consecutive days of sweltering temperatures. And it's not just our friends across the pond feeling the heat. Cities all across the U.S., from Medford to Tampa, are reaching all-time highs. The heat is so intense that heat advisories and excessive heat warnings have been issued. Now it's time to take extra care, especially if you're young or old. Remember, ice cream is not just a treat. It's a life-saving survival tool. So stay hydrated, folks, and maybe invest in a portable air conditioner or an igloo. Stay cool out there. Imagine a mountain so massive that it reaches the sky, piercing the clouds and tickling the stars. Now, imagine that this majestic mountain suddenly loses 500 meters in height. What could cause such a dramatic makeover? Well, according to a recent study published in the journal Nature, the culprit is none other than a gigantic landslide. Yes, you heard it right. Annapurna IV, a mountain in the mighty Himalayas, experienced a colossal landslide around the year 1190. This landslide was no ordinary event, my friends. It displaced a mind-boggling 27 cubic kilometers of rock, enough to bury Manhattan up to the height of the iconic Empire State Building. Just think about that for a moment. But wait, there's more. The energy released during this humongous landslide would have been equivalent to six times the power of the Tsar Bomba, the largest nuclear weapon ever detonated. That's one landslide with a bang. This extraordinary discovery challenges the prevailing belief that glaciers are the main culprits behind stunting mountain growth. It suggests that landslides may also have a say in the matter. So, the next time you gaze upon a towering mountain, remember that even the mighty peaks have their limits. And who knows what other secrets these mountains are hiding. Now that's some food for thought. In this segment, we talk about society and privacy. In a surprising turn of events, a federal judge has ruled that the White House has been pressuring social media companies to suppress free speech. The Biden administration has been ordered to halt its communications with these companies following a lawsuit by Missouri and Louisiana. The judge's preliminary injunction limits the government's ability to influence the removal or suppression of content considered protected free speech. Yet certain exceptions are allowed, such as when the content involves criminal activity or poses national security threats. Critics of the ruling argue that it's an overreach and wrongly claims that government engagement with social media violates the First Amendment. It's a battle of words that has everyone talking. Hey there! 
tech enthusiasts? Today, we're diving into the ever-changing landscape of social networks. French blogger Plaume, in his latest blog post titled Stop Trying to Make Social Networks Succeed, makes some mind-boggling points. Plume brilliantly argues that the concept of success in social networks is a subjective matter, varying from person to person. And guess what? Each social network serves a specific niche and has a limited lifespan of popularity. Whoa, mind-blown, right? But hold on, it gets even more interesting. Plaume mentions some popular social networks like WeChat, QQ, and VK that thrive in China and Russia. Yep, they might be unknown to our Western ears. Plume points out that social networks should not be considered as the communities themselves, but as the underlying infrastructure that supports these communities. He strongly criticizes the idea that there will be one dominant universal social network and urges us to invest in and support individual communities instead. So folks, it's time to let go of the obsession with the one-size-fits-all social network and embrace the diversity of online communities. A toast to Plaume for bursting our bubbles and reminding us that one network can't rule them all. In our recent gaming news, we have quite a bit to talk about. First up, Sega's Dreamcast shmup game, Triggerheart Excelica, is making its way to the Nintendo platform. Who doesn't love a good shmup game, am I right? But that's not all. There's a rumor going around about a hypothetical Sega handheld console that doesn't actually exist. I guess Sega fans really know how to keep the dream alive. Literally. Moving on, we also have some intriguing insights into the making of Aliens. Infestation for the Nintendo DS. It's always fascinating to get a behind-the-scenes look at the development process. Now let's talk about Japanese RPGs. Have you noticed that they always seem to choose the same settings? It's like they're on a never-ending vacation to medieval fantasy lands or futuristic dystopias. It's cool, but maybe they need a change of scenery. Speaking of collaborations, Atari and Polymega maker Playmagy have announced a teamwork extravaganza. Who knows what they'll come up with? And brace yourselves, folks, because leaked documents allegedly reveal Sega's intentions to compete with Sony. Move over, PlayStation! On the topic of groundbreaking mechanics, game developer Peter Molyneux's next project is rumored to have some seriously mind-blowing features. Are we talking about teleportation? Time travel? Levitating broccoli? The possibilities are endless. And finally, get ready to channel your inner kid because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is making a comeback on the Master System. Cowabunga, dudes. But wait, there's more. Feast your eyes on a custom Super Mario Bros. NES console. It's like the dream mashup of retro gaming goodness. So that's it for our gaming news roundup today. Stay tuned for more thrilling updates. In a recent blog post, Valentina Kupak argues that bugs and slow delivery are acceptable in software development. She believes that most companies can afford to ship buggy products and that the speed of fixing bugs doesn't matter much. Kupak's ideas go against the principles of TDD, trunk-based development, and refactoring. However, the author of the blog post, who initially disliked Kupak's ideas, admits that she was right. In their 15 years of experience in the industry, they have seen and written terrible quality code that resulted in wasted time and unnecessary rewrites. But despite these issues, they have never seen a company go out of business because of bugs and slow delivery. The author acknowledges that software quality is not necessarily a make-or-break factor for organizations. Strong sales and customer care teams can compensate for a lack of features. So, while the author still believes that high software quality improves the chances of success and provides a competitive advantage, 
they've come to realize that organizations can be justified in choosing not to invest in quality. This new insight will change the way they view software organizations and help them align with organizations that share their preferences on quality. Overall, Kupak's post was thought-provoking for the author, and they appreciated the new perspective it brought. Hey there, fellow tech enthusiasts. Today, we've got some juicy news from the Tor Project Forum. They've been discussing the long and tumultuous history of DDoS attacks on Tor and their cunning strategy for mitigation. It turns out that these attacks have been a recurring nightmare, hitting Onion services with high volumes of DDoS attacks almost once a year. And not just them. Even the directory authorities have faced periodic attacks. But hold on, it gets even more interesting. The attackers haven't just focused on Onion services and directory authorities. They've even tried to target specific relays. Sneaky, right? To deal with these shenanigans, relay operators have come up with tools to block connections to flooded IP addresses, and the Tor team has added their own secret sauce. They've implemented a nifty little thing called the Proof of Work Over Introduction Circuits Scheme. Since its implementation, the Onion service attacks have come to a screeching halt. Talk about a deterrent. But hey, not all the details are out in the open. There are still many classified attacks and vulnerabilities, so the Tor team has managed to secure some funding to fix those pesky attacks against guards, durathes, and exits. And that's the scoop, folks. Stay tuned for more thrilling tech news. France has just passed a bill that makes you rethink your daily selfies. Now, not only can the police snoop around your phone, but they can also remotely activate your camera and microphone. Talk about an invasion of privacy. But hey, they're not stopping there. This bill covers all sorts of devices. Laptops, cars, even your fancy smart toaster. It's like living in a surveillance-filled sci-fi movie. Critics are up in arms, claiming that this is a major blow to our fundamental liberties. And let's not forget about those who might abuse this power-heavy-handed security, anyone? But wait, there's a twist. The lawmakers thought they'd throw in some limitations to make it seem less dystopian. They said the remote spying can only be used in cases where the crime is super serious and justified. Oh, and they put a six-month expiration date on the whole thing. So the next time you see a police car, you might want to check your smartphone. Who knows who's watching and listening? Maybe your toaster, too. Stay safe out there, folks. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Loud in Tech. We covered a wide range of topics, from the latest in tech advancements to intriguing cultural issues. Stay tuned for more exciting discussions and insights. Remember to subscribe to our podcast for regular updates. Thank you for listening to Loud in Tech.